When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. Hey, what's up, Kings fans, and welcome to the Hockey Royalty Podcast, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. Boy, Ross, that still feels good to say. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Anyways, I'm Scott Kinville, and before we get going, as always, we want to let you know you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter at Hockey underscore Royalty and also at Royalty underscore Pod, and we're also on Facebook at Hockey Royalty, and I do believe we're on Instagram at the same address. So we've got a great show lined up for you. We're going to do our draft, or yeah, our draft, well, review piece, I guess we're going to call it. But before we get going, so normally we have our two co-hosts, but tonight is a very special night as our hockey royalty family is expanding by one. Mr. Ryan Sykes, who normally rides shotgun with us, is right now at the hospital witnessing the birth of his child. So congratulations, Ryan. We love it, brother. Keep up the good work. Good for you. So... We'll let you know uh, more details on that in the next show. Anyways, so my other co-host for tonight is, of course, still here. Uh, He is, as you all know, he is the master of everything analytics. He is our official Count of Corsi. He is the Prince of Fenwick and everything else that you can ever possibly imagine with analytics. It is Mr. Russell Morgan. What's going on, Russ? Hey, what's going on, Scott? Yeah, it's uh, exciting and uh, hoping the best and uh, looking forward to another one being added to our family with uh, Ryan's uh, new baby. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I can tell you there's going to be no more for me. So that's up to you guys now. So yeah, I don't have any yet. So I think got time to wait for there. 
<laughs> oh, so anyways, to help us go over the Kings draft, uh, we got one of the most respected uh, prospects guys in all of the business. Uh, he's formerly from Dover Prospects. I want to bring in Mr. Tony Ferrari. Tony, what's going on? Not too much, boys. Uh, I was happy to hear Ryan message me earlier, and he's like, yeah, I'm not going to be on the show tonight, but uh, here's the reason why. And I'm like, oh, man, congrats, of course. Uh, hope for all the best for him and the baby and his wife, and, and let's see uh, the, the, the family expand by another one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, it's just not going to be for me. It's up to Russ and Ryan from here on out. So, <laughs> so anyways, what'd you, uh, what'd you think about the draft overall, uh, Tony? It was, it was a weird one. I think a lot of teams were going all over the board. I think uh, Ottawa set the tone pretty early with that Tyler Boucher pick at 10. And, and I think everyone was like, Oh, okay, this is going to get weird fast. And, and then it just continued to get weird. Like there were so many players that fell and so many others that seemed to get picked like incredibly high from where they were ranked. And I think that just goes to show where, I think we all kind of said it this year. Once you get outside that first little bit, it, it started to really open up. And I think got, there was no shock where teams had some guys rated at 73 and other teams had them at 25. So we're seeing guys go all over the board. It was pretty interesting. But I think the Kings uh, the Kings did a pretty good job with the, the haul they got despite only having four picks. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. you know. Especially, I mean, obviously, it's been said a million times over, so we really don't need to dwell on it too much. But this is certainly the most weird draft year in so far as trying to grade prospects or trying to even, you know, judge where they're going to be at. So, you know, hey, this, this is going to be one of those ones where we'll, we'll see five years from now who had it right and who had it wrong, as always, but even more so because of the lack of play from last year. So let's get right into that Kings draft. Uh, what would you think overall? I was a fan of the draft. I think they, they did a really good job of maximizing the value with the four picks. And even the, even the one player that they did draft that I, I wasn't a huge fan of, where they got him was a great value with Kirill Kirsnov going so late. Like this entire class I thought was really good. And, and the fact that they were able to kind of, like I said, maximize the value of only having the four picks, I, I think they come away with one of the stronger draft classes overall. Yeah, when I was listening to the media call with the uh, director of amateur scouting, Mark Unetti, he he said it hit the nail around the head. It was a definitely a quality over quantity kind of draft, and with the prospect pool that the Kings had, it was they were able to become more aggressive, and they traded up three different occasions just to get the players they wanted. So it was a uh, another another successful draft from my point of view. I think for the Kings. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, especially when you have as many prospects, uh, you know, high-level prospects that the Kings have, you almost can't, I don't you can't say can't, but it's going to be hard to pack in another seven prospects. So, I mean, the idea of trading up was actually a very good idea. Yeah, I think the, it, there's a big thing where, like, you do have this loaded prospect pool. So why not kind of not necessarily diversify your prospects, kind of centralize where you want to go and, and grab the guys that you think can make a difference? And I think they did a really good job of doing that this, in this draft. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I guess we'll just start right off with the, their first round pick. Uh, got number eight number, overall. They uh, grabbed Brant Clark from uh, Barry, the Barry Colts of the OHL. He's a right-hand defenseman. Uh, what'd you think? Was that a good value pick for them? I love that pick. He was my top defenseman on the board. I had him at number five on my final rankings. And I think Brant Clark's going to be a ton of fun in the NHL. He's going to be one of these guys that you look at Jamie Drysdale from last year and, and how well he did in his limited stint in the NHL this year. And I think Brant Clark's the same kind of defenseman with a bit, uh, maybe a bit more offensive instinct and, and not necessarily the safeness that Drysdale plays with at times. So I think Brant Clark's going to be one of those guys that I, I think he's going to be a difference maker at the next level. There's a lot of co- people that kind of complain a bit about his skating stride but the fact that his four-way mobility is still better than almost every other defenseman near the top of the draft I think is a big deal so it's one of those things where it's like yeah his skating looks funny but the fact that he's able to get around the ice so easily imagine you can fix that stride just a little bit like imagine how much more explosive and and dynamic he can be on his feet 
and you bring that offensive skill set, that, that will, willingness to just jump in the rush and, and make something happen, I think this kid's a, a home run pick at, at number eight for the Kings. Yeah, it was really exciting to hear his almost excitement after the in the post draft his presser. It was he was speaking like a million words a minute, and you can just <laughs> feel you almost feel that kind of you you just want to be like excited for him and be excited with him almost when you listen to him talk and it, you can kind of tell that's kind of something that would rub off on his teammates in the locker room so it's definitely something that would would fit in really well with the king's prospect pool currently and it, it was definitely I, I would say I, I thought brent clark would be much higher like you mentioned i thought besides owen power i thought he was one of the better defensemen i thought he would have fit right in with what columbus was um doing with after they got rid of seth jones but um, for them to follow the Kings, it almost seemed like once William Eklund started following, it, it, it almost was like it was going to be either one of them. One, it was either Eklund or it was going to be Clark. And with Clark available right there, that was something that they just they couldn't pass up. Yeah, I think you make a really good point about his personality there because I talked to him earlier this year, and one of my favorite stories to tell from this year is, is from my interview with him where I was asking him how he's adjusting to playing with men in Slovakia and how he's having to adjust to their playing style. And he was just like, I, I don't adjust to their playing style. They adjust to mine. I play at a higher pace. I play. I push the pace. I'm telling them, hey, you don't need four players back in the defensive zone with me. Get up the ice and let me hit you on a pass. Like, and, and just the confidence and the, his ability to kind of go, no, like I understand. Like I'm the one that's dictating play here. So, like I think this kid's going to be a ton of fun. I think he's going to be a, a real difference maker at the NHL level. Yeah, and he was definitely um, showing that confidence off during his presser as well. I mean, he, he he even said himself, "I want to have the I want to be the fastest on the ice. I want to have the hardest shot." shot um so i mean that's i mean when you look at the king's prospect pool there really isn't that offensive type defenseman there i mean they have Helga Granz, they have brock faber but Helga Granz knows more of a project and brock faber is known more as an all-around type of defenseman and now you bring in brant clark who's just this total offensive threat from the back end and that's just something that would fit right with what the kings are building oh yeah absolutely Tony, you said that uh you know, other than Owen Power, you said that you had uh, Clark rate, ranked as your second highest defenseman, correct? No, I had him actually as my highest defenseman. Oh, I, I, I was a little lower on, on Power than the consensus, and I actually had oh. Clark as the one guy ahead of him. Uh, I think Clark has just that insane upside that I, I think Power is going to be that really good defenseman. I, I, I have no doubt about his ability to kind of play even on the top pair to, to be a, a guy that you can rely on, but I don't think he's going to be the driver on that top pair, whereas I do look at Brant Clark and I go, there might be a number, a true number one here. And out of all the defensemen in this draft, I think he's really the only one that has that upside. Hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, like, you know, Russ just touched on it. I mean, actually, the, the right side is loaded for the Kings right now on defense, even, you know, at the NHL level and in the prospect pool. But, you know, I mean, and I'll be honest with you, at first, I was like, what do we need another right-hand defenseman for? But then the more I think about it, the more I listen, it's like, yeah, you know, maybe that's not such a bad idea after all, <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah. He's going to figure say, Drew Doughty's going to be, you know, eventually winding down a little bit. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say is Drew Doughty is going to start to wind down over the next couple of years. And, and who's a better guy to, to teach Brant Clark how to kind of refine his game and, and be that real difference-making number one defenseman, but, but Drew Doughty. So I, I think it's a really good fit because I think, like Russell mentioned, they, the one thing they were really missing that prospect pool, is, as loaded as it is from top to bottom, was that true offensive defenseman. And now you bring that in with Brant Clark and – I mean, I, I look up and down this this Kings prospect pool, and I'm like, oh boy, I would love to have this because just they seem to have a player at every position that's a difference maker. Oh yeah, cool. absolutely. So let me ask you a quick question: uh, If Clark wasn't available at number eight for the Kings, you know, taking that all out, 
who do you think would have been a good pick for them? I know that's kind of a weird question, but I mean, because you know, a lot of us were actually thinking that, you know, maybe like Jasper Wallstead was going to be available, Dylan Gunther, uh, players of that caliber. I mean, not saying that they're slouches by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, like I said, it was pretty much a surprise that Clark fell as far as he did. Yeah, I think it was a surprise that Clark fell as, as far as he did. I think Dylan Gunther would have been a good pick, but I, I still think Jesper Wallstead fell way too far, and I think he would have been a great pick in, in L.A. I think it, the fact that he was going to be able to come in in, in a, a year or two probably and kind of start to share the net, and I think that's a good situation for the Kings, who who I, I like Cal Patterson, and, and he's been good the last couple of years and stuff, but is he really that guy that's going to be the difference-making goalie in net that's going to be able to kind of push you to Stanley Cup? Bringing in Jesper Wallstead at worst pushes him to kind of challenge himself and be better. And at best, you got Jesper Wallstead in that coming up. So I think he would have been a great pick there personally, but he seemed to fall way farther than anyone even expected, even the people that weren't super high on him. Yeah, and he even went behind Sebastian Kosov, which was something that was a surprise to me as yeah. well. I, when when he was falling, it sounded, from what I understand, it sounded like the Kings may have kind of felt the waters a little bit, try to see if maybe they can get back into the first round once they saw him falling into more of the teens. So maybe even grab Jesper. Um, but I, yeah, that, that was a player I thought if, if Clark or Eklund wasn't there, um, it, it just made sense for them to grab Wallset. And he's a, he's a franchise-building goaltender that you can build around. And that's something that the Kings don't really have besides having Cal Peterson right now. Um, but yeah, I guess we can just move on to the, the second, second round pick. Um, the Kings had a couple, but with the first one, with the 42nd, they moved up, um, trading the exchange for Ottawa Centers, and they grabbed Francesco Pinelli. Uh, the center. Uh, he was playing for uh, the Kitchener Rangers, but he was playing in Slovenia this past year with the OHL. So, kind of want to get uh, your thoughts on that player as well. I'm a, a guy that wasn't huge on Pinelli coming into the year, and, and and he impressed me throughout the year. And I think his his under 18 performance was good. He was able to kind of really improve as the year went on in Slovenia. And I think the biggest issue with him is going to be his pace. He doesn't play at a super high pace in the NHL, as we all know, is a faster game now than it's ever been. So that's going to be the one thing that I think he needs to work on. But when he actually gets his feet moving and stuff, he's not a bad skater, I don't think. I think he's a guy that just needs to kind of motivate himself to get going a little bit more. But he's a guy that I think his shot is, is pretty good. His shot is very good. I think he'll be able to score 20-plus goals in the NHL. But it's the smarts and the vision that this kid has that is really special. I think he's one of the smarter players in the draft. He's just so cerebral at kind of – picking apart the defense and playing off the back heels of, of the defenders and being able to thread passes through traffic. Like there's some passes he's made in Slovenia this year that I'm just like, a lot of players wouldn't even see that passing lane. So it's going to be really interesting to see him kind of get on a, on a team with some of these snipers. You put him with a guy like Arthur Kaliev or something. And, and man, like that, that could be really, really fun. Yeah. It was cool to hear him. He, he likes to model his game off of Evgeny Malkin and he's almost got that size and he's where he wears 71 and, he almost plays a little bit like him as well. He's got that vision, like you mentioned. And that's, I mean, that's another high quality center that the Kings will add. Do you, do you envision him being like being able to move to the left side as well? I think he could play on the wing for sure. Cause he, he did play a little bit of that in, in Kitchener last year. And, but I think that the big thing with him is I don't know where he's going to end up at the next level in terms of position. Cause I think he could play either, but it's going to be interesting to see because that pace is going to be the one thing that I think dictates it. If he can kind of get moving a little bit faster, get kind of get the play moving a bit faster, I think you play up the middle. But I mean, worst case, he's he's just an, a high end playmaking playmaking winger. And, and honestly, I think he probably should have gone in the first round. I was kind of shocked he fell as far as he did. Yeah, I wonder if maybe it was the pace concerns that kept him out of the first round. 
Yeah, it's probably what it is. And, and you're seeing so many more players with skating issues or pace issues kind of starting to fall down the draft a little bit. So I wouldn't be shocked if that's what it is. But, I mean, like I said, this year was just one of those years where I think teams were just like, ah, we like this guy. Let's take the swing at 27 or whatever it is. So, Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and again, not to, you know, beat a dead horse or anything, but with the, the Kings prospect system as loaded as it is, you know, I suppose this year they could afford to take a couple of swings for the fences if they really wanted to. Yeah, they, exactly. Which they were probably thinking. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they also uh, traded up to grab Samuel Hellenius. Uh, he's from Finland, and the guy's a monster. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's about six foot six, 200 pounds, and still growing, I think. Um, kind of a curious choice, considering they already went center with Pinelli. Uh, that's where uh, Hellenius is right now, even though, obviously, he could probably move to the wing as well. Uh, what's your thoughts on him? I'm a big fan of Sam Hellenius, and I probably had him higher on my board than a lot of people did this year. I had him in the mid-40s a lot of time, kind of right around this area they kind of got picked at in, in, where, in the draft this year, where I think he's a guy that projects really well, and I think that's what you really value in his game. I don't think you're looking at a guy that's like, oh, this is going to be a top-six center. I, I don't think that's going to be this guy. I think Sam Hellenius is going to be that bottom-six center that plays a really good defensive game. I think that is one area that he can bring a ton of value. He's really good on the penalty kill, uses his length extremely well. And, and he's a pretty good skater. I think he's going to need to improve his pace a little bit and improve the skating a little bit. But he, with the length, like there's so many times where you're watching him in a puck race and he doesn't look like he's moving quite as fast, but because his legs are as big as the other guy, he's getting there faster. And and he's just going to like, I, I think he's going to be a, a solid NHL player, but expecting anything more than a, a good two way third line center that's going to kind of shut the, the opponent's best line down maybe is, is a little bit much, but I, I think he's going to be a solid NHLer. It seemed like with this draft, but yeah, uh, the Kings were almost going for more of a size standpoint when they're looking for the forwards that they were drafting. I mean, Hellenius, like you guys mentioned, six foot six. I mean, big center. And and when Yanetti was talking, he was mentioning players like like Byfield and Kopitar when talking about him, which was just, I mean, that's just really high praise. And I remember watching him in the World Juniors. He's just, he's just huge. He's, he's able to do these big Zdeno Chara pirouettes with the with the puck. It's it's really fun to watch the a player with that size being able to control the puck in a, in a really uh, small space. Yeah, and that's one of the skills he has is, is you look at a guy that big and you don't expect him to have such good puck control, especially with the finer details in, in small areas. And that's an area where Samuel Hillenius actually excels. And I think that's why he can be such an effective, effective two-way third-line center in the NHL. I think worst case, you're looking at a guy that you're like, oh, this is the one of the better fourth-line centers in the league, and he can kind of fill that role long-term, I think, for the Kings. And I, I'm a big fan of this kid. I talked to him a couple times this year, and he was just always so, like – in, into his own game like he was always kind of picking it apart and going man like I know what I got to do and this is where I need to improve and he doesn't have any like qualms about what he is he's like I know I'm not going to be the most dynamic center in the NHL but I'm going to be an effective center in the NHL and, and kind of having that awareness is it's really interesting to see from a kid that that age yeah absolutely and you know I tell you he, he played uh, in the legal league last year yep. which he's playing against men right and, and obviously I think he's going to go back there next year and to be perfectly honest with you, and, and I kind of wanted your thoughts on this before we continue on with the, the draft picks, that to me in itself is a very big advantage to be able to play in those European leagues against men, say in the Legal League or the SHL or the DEL. I think more and more that could actually really be an advantage for NHL teams having their, you know, their prospects over their playing. You know, and that's not a knock against the, you know, the Canadian Hockey League. That's not a knock against the NCAA. It's not a knock against USA, USHL at all. I'm just saying it's a whole different perspective if they get to play against men. If you look at like Tim Stutzel, right? What being able to play against men did for him. Yep. 
No, I, I completely agree with you. I've always been a big fan of, hey, look at these kids in the, the European pro leagues. Like, that's where you're getting a lot of value nowadays. And, like, watching a guy like Aturatu fall as far as he did in the second round there, I was like, man, like, at worst, this guy should be going at the end of the first round because he has all this pro experience for so, like, for three years running now. He's had a couple of pro games at least. And you're looking at this guy and you're like, he, he plays a really good transition game. And you're looking and you see all these tools and you're like, man, like, once he matures physically fully, like that's when it's going to make the difference. And, and you're seeing that with so many more of these kids going in the, in the pro leagues from Europe and whether it be the DEL, like you mentioned with Tim Stutzel or, or the, the Liga or the SHL, whatever it may be. That's why I also thought Jesper Wallstead was a, such an attractive pick. There's right. no, been no goalie that's played in the SHL as much as he did in his draft year and been so successful. So it, it's, it was interesting to see him fall. Like, I, I still think teams are undervaluing the European pro leagues. I've said that for a couple of years, at least now. And, Man, like, it's smart for me. It's smart in my mind, especially in the second, third rounds. If there's guys that are falling from the pro leagues, just take them, man. Like, there's there's a good chance that that guy's going to be at least a serviceable NHLer. Fabian Lucell. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew remember. he was going to fall, too. I knew he was going to fall. Yeah, I remember you you really hyping him up. I, I don't know where you had him in your rankings, but I know it was pretty high, right? Oh, yeah. At the end of the year, I had him at four, four. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, at my midseason, I was like, I have like five guys that I realistically want at number one. So I was just like, no one has Fabian Lysel at number one. Screw it. Like, let's put him there. Because I, I was just such a big fan of his game. I, I love the kid's game. The, the, the attitude issues are what kind of people kind of harped on this year. And from from what I've heard, I've talked to him a couple of times. I even actually asked him about the attitude issues at one point, And he was like, that's just like, I'm a confident kid. I, I understand that, that that can come off as an attitude. That can come off as cocky sometimes. But when I, when I think I want to play at the, or when I think I'm good enough to play at the SHL level and my team's not really giving me the opportunity, like I want to go somewhere that's going to give me that opportunity. So in my mind, that's a kid that I I want on my team because he knows he's going to be able to make a difference and he's going to put in the effort to make a difference because when you saw him at the SHL level, like the production may not have been there, but he was contributing all four minutes that he played that in that game because they weren't giving him a ton of ice time, but he was making a difference, getting in on the four check playing a really high in defensive game, like things that you weren't expecting from Fabian Liesel. And then he still had that speed and skill that was his trademark. And I, I think the Bruins got a, a really good pick and that sucks because I hate the Bruins with a passion. <laughs> yeah. For Kings fans who don't know, he felt all the way to the 21st, first pick in the first round, but oh. we can move on. <laughs> um, so, so the next pick, uh, last pick actually of the Kings draft, uh, they moved up five spots uh, and they drafted Kirill Kursanov. And I actually thought he would be a, a pick in the second round and i know you had him actually uh, ranked 97th overall so i want to get your take on him yeah i'm not the biggest fan of kirill Kirsanov, but i understand why he he's a pick here I, I don't dislike the pick at this range because I, I do think you know at 84 it's not that far off from where i had him and realistically there are tools here that people like like the fact that he's so 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 quick through the, the neutral zone he's very good laterally and understands how to get moving like his mobility is the big thing with him so it's going to be interesting to see where he goes because it's going to be a, you, you don't know what he's going to be offensively at the next level. I think there's a lot of teams that are like, what, what exactly is this kid offensively? But I think he's going to be a really solid transitional guy. I think he's going to be a, a really good defender. I think the 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 strength of his defensive game is, is stick. He, he's able to kind of poke check the puck, cut lanes off, get in the way of, of the defender on the rush and kind of cut the wall down, down there. And it's going to be interesting, like I said, to see where his offensive game at, ends because there has been times where he sh- flashes this really high end skill, but then there's other times where you're just like, why are you just passing the puck back and forth to the point when you have lanes to the fine? So where his offensive game develops is going to be interesting, but 
I, I don't know where this kid's ceiling is, but I think at, at this range, I think it's a solid pick. Yeah, he finished with three points in uh, the KHL playing with uh, St. Petersburg last year, actually on Vladimir Kachev's uh, team. Um, but, yeah, when Yanetti was uh, talking, he, he he made it seem like he was almost ready to come into the AHL, like, now. And, and like, like we just talked about, um, it's almost like that those European leagues that – they're just so well being, they're just being played so well with the, I mean, you're playing against men that that transition from the KHL or the SHL to the AHL shouldn't really be that different. No. And I think it's not like a, the big advantage, big draw for me is getting your hands on these prospects earlier. If you can draft a kid from the pro league and get them over here, Toronto's done it with William Nylander. I think Boston did it with David Pasternak. Like you get these guys playing the AH, the AHL at 18, 19, when generally you don't see players that age playing there because they're, generally in the junior league. So they have the pro experience are allowed to come over, get your hands on them. You get the hands on development time with them. And I think that'd be a huge advantage for a guy like Kirill Kersenov. Cause like I said, he has those tools that he flashes every once in a while, but you just don't see it enough to fully kind of flesh out what he's going to be. So I think when you get him in a system, like the Kings have done a really good job. So, so far with their prospects. And I think you get him in a system like that. And I think you could kind of unlock some of these tools and, and maybe get a little bit more out of them than what you initially thought. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and there again, right there, like you just said, KHL, another pro league over there, which is just, you know, it's a tremendous resource. I mean, honestly, I'd love to see what another Kings pick from a, seems like a long time ago now from over in Russia, Bulat Shavuk or Shavugulin, who is uh, going to end up doing, but that's another story for another time. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I wanted to ask you too, just uh, sort of off Kings topics, because I mean, we can't win every draft, right? Well, we could. But what other, teams you, close. Yeah. <laughs> what other teams do you think did pretty well for themselves? I think one of the teams that did really well was Carolina. I think they did a really good job at, at trading down a bunch of times and getting their guys. I think their first pick of Scott Morrow, that was a favorite of mine. I was a big fan mm-hmm. of him. And then their next pick was Alexi Helmoselmi, which is like my second favorite defenseman in the draft behind Scott Morrow. So I, I was a big fan of their draft. They got uh, Miko or not Miko Koivinen, but uh, Billy Koivinen. A really smart center from Finland. And they did a lot of drafting from overseas and they kind of got value. And anytime you can kind of trade back like that and kind of continuously get these picks and, and identify guys that are falling down the boards, like Scott Morrow, Samuel Hellenius, or or any of these guys. So it, it, I think the Carolina Hurricanes killed it. I think Dallas got a lot of good value after the first round. If you were to kind of go look at Dallas's draft and take, Logan Stankoven put him in the first round and take Wyatt Johnson and put him in the second. I think you, you look at that draft and you go, man, they killed every pick, but because they drafted Wyatt Johnson so early you, in, I mean, they still got Stankoven, but that draft class is as misordered as it is. That's a really solid class as well with Ayrton Martino in the third round as well. Um, but yeah, I think the Kings are up there again. Like you said, you can't win every draft class, but with four picks, I, I didn't hate a single one. Like I really liked a lot of the Kings picks. So I definitely put them in the top few teams. Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned Carolina because a lot of people were talking about almost the big contrast between those two teams. I mean, the Kings drafting four quality players and the Carolina Hurricanes just gra- drafting like a lot of really good players. I-, I thought a team that actually did really good over the weekend was the Blue Jackets, and yes. their first round was just incredible. Yeah. I mean, I was so high on Ken Johnson. I thought he was one of the- I thought the three, um, even I guess you can say four Un- University of Michigan players were the four best players in the draft, to be honest with you. And for them to grab Ken Johnson at, in top five in the fifth overall pick, I thought that was great. Then they grabbed Cole Sillinger with number 12. And then Carson Clemens even to, to end the draft, I mean, or the f- first round, that's just incredible value. 
Yeah, I think they did a really good job too. And I mean, when you look at their weekend as a whole and all the players they brought in and everything, I, I think they're definitely the winners of the weekend as a whole. Like the trades they made, getting rid of Seth Jones and getting the haul that they got. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> there, there was so much that just came into factor that like the Columbus Blue Jackets, they, they looked like crap a couple of years ago as their team was starting to fall apart. And then this year they really kind of fell off to the side. But I mean, give it to to Yarmo Kekalainen who, who, took all those chances a couple years ago at the trade deadline and and he's just rebuilding like no one's business he is just (laughs) killing it in the rebuild this year hey you want to talk about turning lemons into lemonade (laughs) yeah Yeah. seriously (laughs) so you know just uh coming back to the kings i wanted to ask you real quick um you know looking at the team that they had last season in ontario and and upcoming this season in ontario their ahl affiliate is there anybody that stands out to you that should be playing in the nhl this season I mean, I feel like the obvious answer is going to be uh, Quentin Byfield. I think Quentin Byfield should play <laughs> NHL games for this that year. <laughs> yeah, like that that was a nice, easy one for me. I appreciate that one. Uh, but no, I, I think Byfield definitely should get NHL games. I think you look at guys like Kaliev and, and Kapari, Fajimo, even Akil Thomas. Like, I, I think there's going to be a lot of guys that get games next year. And I think it's going to be really fun to kind of watch. Um, does Alex Turcott maybe get a couple games? Like, it's going to be interesting to see what this team does because – I think you're going to have opportunities to get a bunch of the young guys in the lineup next year. Yeah, they, I think they really should. I mean, now is the time to start getting them in the lineup, really. You know, I mean, if they're – honestly, I think the Kings could actually be playoff contenders this season. I, I really do. If the chips fall right uh, with a – well, let's face it, a weak Pacific division, Yeah. right? But, I mean, if your ultimate goal is to be a playoff contender by next season, then those kids have got to start getting some NHL time now. Because yeah, because – Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, no, I was going to say exactly that. Like the the Kings playoff hopes, I think, rely on the kids. Like I think Quentin Byfield coming in, Kaliev coming in, guys like Aiden Dudas even maybe stepping up, Rasmus Kupari. Those guys are going to be in the lineup if the Kings are, are really pushing for the playoffs. Like they're going to be the ones that are making the difference. And I think the more of the kids that you get in there, I think we're watching the NHL all the time, get younger, faster, quicker, more skilled. You get those skilled kids in there, get those quick kids in there. And, and they have the size and everything too, that the Kings traditionally have. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this team kind of grow together. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the Kings have been uh, very patient to say the least. There's no doubt about that. Um, but like I say, I kind of think it, it's starting to get to be time for them to get up there against the, uh, the best competition available and see what they can do. Yeah, I completely agree. Like like you said, it's a weak Pacific division. You got the opportunity. Let's see what Quentin Byfield can do against a weaker division in the NHL. Like, Let's see what these guys can do. And I- I'm going to love watching it. And I- every night I'm going to be up till 1 a.m. and out here in Ontario going, <laughs> let's let's see this game because it's going to be super late for me. But I-, I can't miss these games, man, especially with guys like Byfield. Like, I, I love watching the kid play. Yeah, I tell you, having that AHL TV was really nice last year. That was the first time I had it, and um, it was just—it was so much fun. Even if some of the uh, the rinks weren't exactly designed to have uh, TV oh, broadcast yeah. in them, <laughs> just uh, little little barns in the back uh, alley of a, a city. <laughs> some of them are fun. That's all right. I mean, I, I'm actually about uh, 25 miles east of Utica, where the Comets are, okay. and they play one of the most notorious old barns in uh, in hockey now because Utica has been around for a very long time. So. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, but Tony, this has been a lot of fun. We really appreciate you coming on, uh, taking the time out to talk to us. Uh, how can we, uh, for our listeners, how can we find you on social media? I can just find me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari. I'll be announcing where, wherever I land in the next few days to week. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see when I decide that. Probably the biggest free agent heading into tomorrow. I know, right? It's definitely, it's, uh, (laughs) 
Me and Taylor Hall just uh, waiting to sign our deals for the deadline, baby. Hey, you're looking for Termer AAV, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Uh, Tony, thanks a million, man. We really appreciate it. No problem, guys. Always enjoy joining you. All right. Have a good one, buddy. Thanks. See you later, guys. All right. Take care. That was Tony Ferrari. That was a, that was really fun. Yeah, he's 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 great. And anybody who's willing to pick him up, I mean, elite prospects, Sports Illustrated. Any, I mean, anybody who's out there, oh they, yeah, they need to snatch him on up because that's just that's a great young hockey mind that's that's going to be growing, and he, he can he can view some talent pretty well. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Russ, we're recording on Tuesday night, the night before free agent frenzy drops. Yeah, actually, I want to I want to interrupt you for a quick second because actually, while we were talking to Tony, something uh, something came across the my little timeline here. Tyler Johnson, he was traded from Tampa Bay uh, to Chicago for what? Brent Seabrook and what? a second round pick. I want to make sure I get that right. Are you kidding uh, me? I can't find it. I think it was Pierre LeBron that said it, but I believe that it's. Yeah, second it was so Brent Seabrook contract being traded to Tampa Bay for Tyler Johnson and a second round pick. So it seems like Tampa Bay is trying to unload some cap space with Tyler Johnson's deal. They bring on Brent Seabrook, and they're it sounds like they're just going to LTI arm. Wow, <laughs> this reaction. Okay, okay. wow. Um, <laughs> just to go oh, with the, I, all the other great stuff going on today. Well, you know, yeah, because I mean, the Hawks were already involved in one big trade. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury going to mm-hmm. Chicago. Basically, for a bag of pucks, that is unbelievable to me. Yeah, it's I'm just, sorry. It's, I, yeah, it's just wow. If you're a free agent and you see the Golden Knights, it's like, like you see what they're doing to these players. I mean, they they're not really showing any loyalty. I mean, from my point of view, it's just like Mark Andre Fleury that he said he's been wanting to retire a, a Golden Knight, and they even told him like, "Yeah, we're willing to have you on." Now all of a sudden, boom, gone. Just a short of minutes, just so they can open up some cap space and bring in probably Marty, uh, Alex Martinez or whoever else that they want to bring in. I know the rumors Philip Deneau's out there, but yeah, it's it, there's a, I mean, there's a that was really questionable, but I mean, there's a lot, a lot of I know free agency is supposed to be opening up tomorrow technically, and teams aren't really supposed to be tampering, yeah. but I mean, yeah. we've seen deals go out left and right today, so I mean, it's it's been a fun and exciting day. I mean, there's a lot of trades going on, Nate Schmidt going from Vancouver to Winnipeg and. Um, I'm sure I'm, there's so many going on. I can't really remember them all, but yeah, I mean, there's some moves and we'll see if the Kings dip their toe in free agency as well. Well, that was the one that really, really just shocked me though. And you know, I mean, I was looking before we went on or came on, I was looking at the, uh, the golden Knights cap space. And if they are indeed bringing Martinez back at $5 million AAV, they're going to have some more moves to make if they want to get, you know, cause they still got a roster. They got to fill out, mm-hmm. you know, now they got to get a backup goaltender. Right. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, with the amount of space they're going to end up having left, they're not going to be able to go get Deno. So, I mean, if they got another move up their sleeve, then fine. Um, I just, I, I think it was crazy that he ended up finding out on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, you know, not a good I, look for the organization. No, not at all. I mean, my God. I mean, the guy was everything to them. Yeah, and all I, I got to say is this, is if Robin Leonard has a slow start this year, oh boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, yeah, and then and I, I – I saw earlier that George the Rock of all people. I don't. I don't really know how how uh, cre- like credible. I mean, credible it is, but he mentioned that the uh, Golden Knights and Philippe Deneau had a, a deal already worked out. 
but I mean, I just, like you mentioned, I just, I just don't know how, I mean, Alec Martinez, I could see how that moved. I mean, we talked about it earlier that one of those goalies is going to be moved out. I personally thought it was going to be Leonard because he's got longer term and they wanted to stay more loyal to Andre Fleury. But I mean, to see Mark andre Fleury get moved out, that was a surprise to me, but I knew one of those players was going to be moved out to bring in Martinez. But now that there's talk of them trying to bring in Philippe Deneau, I'm like, wow, okay, now I don't know what, how they're going to be able to move that money in because, yeah. I mean, they're they're going to have to get rid of maybe a Riley Smith or somebody to make that happen. So, uh, I mean, another – just I'm looking at Elliot Friedman's timeline. I might as well just have it up because he's got everything on here. And I guess another one we should talk about is the, the big Curtis McDermott trade for a fourth-round pick. <laughs> I mean, how could we forget about that? He's one of yeah. – most high-profile Seattle Kraken to ever play of all time. So I know, right? That was a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hey, good. But he got the the, crack, the Kraken back a fourth-round pick. So, I mean, you know, I, I guess good for them. Um, you know, I, you know, Colorado did need a little bit more size. Mm-hmm. They really did. And, you know, hey, if he catches on with Colorado, good for him. You know, I, you know, I don't have anything against Curtis McDermott at all. I mean, he's, he's yeah. a great guy. You know, it just was kind of one of those. He was going to be pushed out of the lineup in LA. Let's face it. You know, with the yeah, Auto, King, the, yeah, the King fans, that are coming. Yeah, we we've seen him play. I mean, we can we can talk about his play and how much we just like didn't understand why he was being played as much as he was. But I mean, he's a real team guy. I mean, the locker room loves him. The coaching staff loves him. And and I mean, when you think about it with Colorado. I mean, you have young players like Hale McCarr that they just invested a ton of money into. They're going to have Bowen Byron playing, Samuel Gerrard's and other small players. So, I mean, to bring in McDermott on really a relatively low cap hit, I mean, it it, it does make sense. So I, I see why they did it. Yeah, I can guarantee you he'll be in the lineup when, say, they're playing Vegas and Ryan Reeves is in the lineup. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it's funny. You were mentioning that uh, Vegas could have been a potential landing spot for Philip Deneau. We'll find out. But, I, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, Vegas needs a number one center. And to me, Deneau does not scream number one center. So that's interesting in itself. But there were also rumors floating around that come tomorrow, our very own Los Angeles Kings may have been sniffing around Philip Deneau. And I just wanted your thoughts on that. I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I, I put it out there um, the other day when I heard the rumor, when Elliot Freeman mentioned it, that um, the Kings had kind of dipped their toe in there a little bit. But it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, if you look at his defensive abilities against Mark Stone in the, these past playoffs, I mean, he pretty much shut down Stone. And then when you look at Stone, who's got this huge contract, who's going to be in the Kings division for six more years, I mean, that's something Rob Blake's got to look at and be like, okay, that's a real good commodity to have on the Kings. Um, the thing is, though, I mean, he's, I believe he's 28 years old. He's asking for a north of $6 million a year. Okay, so with this amount of centers that the Kings have, where exactly does it fit? I mean, I, I could see him being the second-line center opening up the season next year. But then after that, when you have Quentin Byfield, you have Rasmus Kapari, you have Alex Turcotte, it's like, okay, well, where does he go after that? So... I'm kind of torn. I, I want to see the, I mean, personally, I just want to see the Kings make a move. Of, I mean, a big time move because they have north of $13 million to spend. But I mean, I I would be appreciative of bringing in Philip to know. It makes a lot of sense. Um, but I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset about it if it didn't happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, if it were a shorter term deal, I'd be okay with it. You yeah. know, but I mean, I also read that he wants like five or six years. Mm-hmm. And to me, with the amount of center prospects that are in the system, you cannot commit to five to six years 
on Philip Deneau is, is, you know what? You've, you've laid out great reasons for getting him, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, if somebody can shut down Mark Stone, absolutely. Yeah. You know, but, but what do you, you have to then start making sure you're converting these centers to wingers and doing it now. And these yeah, are and kids I, that you want to start getting in the NHL. Yeah. And I thought, I think there's some prospects that are down in Ontario that are going to be converted. I think Raskus Kapari is a great candidate to be converted to a wing. I mean, he's a fast player who can use that speed down the wing. I mean, we, and we've also seen what they've done with Alex Turcott, where they, they had him actually playing the wing. And that was a surprise to me. I thought he was more of a center, but it, it, he played really well on the left side. So that's I mean, we're going to have to start seeing these um, forwards become more versatile. And I think we're starting to see that. Um, but uh, you, and you and I have gone back and forth. The other big name free agent that's out there, Gabriel Landeskog, Kings fans all over Twitter want this guy and they're willing to pay a hefty price, whatever it takes to bring him. And so are you. So, I mean, I'll let you, I'll let you get the floor and, and well, get your podium. I'll tell you why, because for reasons we just said, right, we, we, we got centers, what we don't have is a lot of, well, natural wingers, let's face it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you bring Landis Cog in and I, I'll tell you right now, I don't mind giving this guy a seven year contract. I really don't because He's, he's what, 29 years old. Okay, so, yeah, I understand. It's another long-term deal, most likely a high-dollar deal. If, if you want Gabe Landeskog in L.A., you're probably looking at at least $8.5 on the AAV, probably closer to nine. But here's the thing, Russ. Let's look at all the money that's coming off the books over the next three seasons, right? Kopi's contract is going to be off. I'm, they're going to re-sign him, of course, but it's not mm. going to be anywhere near the $10 million AAV he's got now. Brownie's contract's coming off. You know, Quickie's contract's coming off. All the retained salaries from between Carter, Fanuff, everything gone, right? They're going to be swimming in salary cap space because don't forget, all these kids are going to be on ELCs. And if they're planning on keeping them down in Ontario one more year, that just extends it all. So by the time you got to worry about start paying these kids, Gabe Landeskog is going to be four, four years into his deal already anyways. And, you know, you can't not go after a proven talent like Gabriel Landeskog and a proven leader. I mean, he is the captain of the avalanche, right? And mm -hmm. when you have such a young team that the Kings are going to have, you need leadership voices in that room. You have to have it. And that, that's not to discount you know, the leadership abilities of, of Kopi or Dowdy or Brownie or Quickie or anybody. But sometimes, too, you need new voices and you need new leadership voices, right? So to me, it makes all the sense in the world to lock up your left wing, one, because let's face it, we don't have that right now. We really mm -hmm. don't. Mm -hmm. So why not lock it up? Yes, you're going to have to overpay to get them. I, 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 I will be the first to admit that. <laughs> but if you're going to make a splash, make a splash, right? Because as you know, the other one that I was banging the drum pretty hard on, now it looks like it's completely not going to happen, was Dougie Hamilton. Especially mm -hmm. now that we drafted Brad Clark. <laughs> Forget that. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my harebrained ideas. <laughs> it went completely out the window, right? Yep. <laughs> but if you're going to make the move, Make the move. It doesn't mm -hmm. cost you any of your assets to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I you make totally valid points. I mean, you bringing in Landeskog, that's just the absolute perfect fit on the left side. And, like, if Landeskog was 24, 25, and he's looking for a seven-year deal, I'm totally for it. I mean, my only constraint is that he's going to be I mean, he's going to be 28 or 29. I mean, 29. if he did sign yeah. a seven-year deal – it would take until he's 36 years old. So it sounds like Colorado has a seven by seven uh, contract on the table for him. Seven years at $7 million AED. 
that's a hefty price that you're probably going to have to raise that even more going forward. But if he was willing to accept maybe, let's say, a five-year deal, like $9 million a year, I'd be totally for that. I mean, yeah. I would, if I'm the Kings, I'd be offering that right now. But the thing is, that term is just – that's right. the only thing that scares me. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, a shorter deal with a higher AAV would be absolutely ideal. And I think it all really depends on what Gabe Landeskog wants. But the other nice thing about bringing him to L.A. is it weakens a big, big opponent in your own conference that you're going to mm-hmm. have to get through to get to the cup final. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And that's – like you mentioned, that's a big voice in the locker room from Colorado that they're going to lose. And, I mean, personally, I – I just, I've, I've, I've said it before. I, I just think he's bluffing, and I think he's going to be going. I, I just expect him to sign back with Colorado. I, I know you've made that argument before that it, that's something that they need to be paying. When I saw someone, I forget who mentioned it, but they said they're offering him six point three million. I was like, wow, okay, that's really low balling. But then Elliot Freeman came back and said there is a seven million seven year uh, contract on the table. That's something I'm sure he'll take. Maybe they might raise it. A, like maybe the 7.5. Um, but I, they they did just sign Kale McCarr to a pretty reasonable contract, $9 million for I think six or seven years also. So it, I know they have Nathan McKinnon coming up too, but I, I still expect him to go back. You know, what you said makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. But the, the reason I don't think it's completely a bluff, if you look, they took care of Miko Ratnan. Yeah, they took they care did. of him. And I understand he's younger than Landis Gog, right? Mm-hmm. Kel McCarr got taken care of. Yeah, it was a reasonable contract, <laughs> but you know what? Nine million bucks is nine million bucks a year. All right, that's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, we saw the contracts yeah. that were being handed out over those defenses. Yeah, Jones. I mean, wow. Flat salary can't be damned. Exactly. You know? But uh, uh, and I know McKinnon will take a little bit of a discount to keep that team together, but he's not going to take a, a massive discount. They're still going to probably have to pay him ten million, right? Mm-hmm. So. For Landis Gog, he's got to be thinking to himself, you know, I've been here from the start. I've been their captain for, you know, since he was about 21. And they're going to lowball me even at $7 million, But they took care of these guys? No. You know what? If I were him, I'd be saying, you want me to come back $8 million a year? And that's it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, because I think he could play hardball like that. And let's not forget, too, Colorado's got prospects coming up through just like the Kings do. Mm-hmm. You know, they got Alex Newhook coming. They got uh, Bowen Bryan coming. So Martin Kraut. Or Kaut. How do you say it? Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I, I was just looking at it before we came out, and I, I totally brain farted. It's so, all good. Yeah, anyways, pardon yeah, my friend. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see what, what tomorrow brings. So they'll have like a little flexibility, but it, you know what? All, it's going to depend, too, on how much Grubauer wants. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's yeah, going to be true. really interesting. Yeah, it will be from a Colorado standpoint. They still got a lot of a lot of things to figure out um, with Colorado. You know, I don't. I don't think Landis guy is going to get uh, Ovi's contract. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Five years, uh, man, at that AAV. Wow. So you know, you know what's funny is as soon as I saw that, the first thing that came to mind, the first person that came to mind was Kobe Bryant. And the reason I say that is because when Kobe Bryant was heading toward the end of his 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 legs, I guess you can say, the the Lakers offered him another massive deal. I, I believe it was either four years for like twenty five million dollars. And everyone was kind of wondering, okay, well, why? But it's just like you have to look at what he's done for that franchise. And what and with Ovechkin, I mean, a lot of people were starting doing doing the math. Well, in five years, can he break Wayne Gretzky's goal-scoring record? And I think that's just something with everything they've done, with everything that Ovechkin's done for the Capitals, winning a Stanley Cup, just scoring goals. Like, 
like ridiculous amount of goals. I mean, that's just something that you have to, you have to kind of invest in. He's, you have to so, show some loyalty. And I guess they decided to do what the Golden Knights didn't want to do. <laughs> yeah, loyalty I get. But here's the deal, right? If the Capitals want to get better, they're going to need some cap space. And they got to get younger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, look at all the money they've got tied up now between Ovi, Baxter, Carlson. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. long-term money, too. And I don't know. I, maybe my, my opinion isn't the most popular one. It never usually is. <laughs> but <laughs> None of ours is. You know, yeah. You know, we're, we, we always find ourselves in a hot seat, Ross. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, if Ovi was really serious about wanting to win another cup or even helping the team out, maybe he could have taken a little haircut on that AAV because it's not as though he hasn't made any money playing for the Capitals. Yeah, true. I, you know? I thought I thought there might have been a chance for him to go to the KHL, depending on what was going on with the Olympics. I mean, if yeah, but we'll see. We'll see what they do. Um, I guess we, we can move on from it. So big day tomorrow, obviously. Any other names out there that we haven't discussed that you want to see the Kings take a run on? Oof, boy, that's a good one. Um, you know, obviously, everybody wants to see the the big names, you know, mm-hmm. and all that. That's you know, I kind of wonder. If maybe a Blake Coleman doesn't get yeah. a little bit of, doesn't get a little bit of a look, you know, I mean, I I think he's probably going to get overpaid. To be honest with you, I mean, I, I don't know if he'll be able to be brought in on a reasonable AAV. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, but that that would be an interesting one. I mean, let's face it. I, I just I think that we got to do something to get goals scored now. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. I mean, I. Apparently, the whole trading for Tarasenko thing's dead in the water, from what I understand now. Um, Sounds like it, yeah. Which is which is too bad, you know. I I just outside of Landeskog, I don't know where they're going to make the big splash if there's one to be made. Yeah, I know Brandon Sod's name's been floating out there. That's yeah. another one that people have been thinking about. But I'm, I think there's another one out there that I, that hasn't really been talked about from a King standpoint, and that's um, Mike Hoffman. And if yeah. the Kings are looking primarily for goal scoring. That's a player that can put the puck in the net. I mean, I'm trying to get his stats right here off, off the top of my head or right here. But, I mean, you look at it. Two years ago with the Florida Panthers, 29 goals in 69 games. Three years ago, uh, 36 goals in 80, 80, all 82 games. I mean, he plays. He's yeah. didn't only missed one game last year. And the, the only thing I've been hearing about is that he's going to be looking for north of maybe five, six million million a year. But like you mentioned, I mean, if the Kings are really just looking to bring in some goal scoring, that's a player that put – can put the puck in the net. I mean, he can't really play. He's not really that great on defense, but let's say you put him on the first line with Kopitar, who we all yeah. know is two-way capabilities. That's something that Kopitar would love to have to play with, with Brown as well. Absolutely. And you know that That's a really good point, Ross. And you know what? If you really, if it's all about the money for him, he would probably be willing to take a higher AAV on a shorter contract. Yeah, yeah. He was, really he was willing, he was, that we can do. <laughs> yeah, he was willing to take on a one-year deal with uh, St. Louis just to kind of prove himself and We'll see what else he's able to do. I mean, it's almost kind of, it was kind of like the Taylor Hall situation where he took on one year and then just now he signed only a four year. Yeah. I think it was only six million dollars a year, which is actually not really that much when you look at he's a former MVP. So, I mean, if I, I don't, I don't think Mike Hoffman's going to get that much, but if you get Mike Hoffman four years, 5.5. I don't think that's that yeah. big of a deal. I, I that's a very very good point. That's very good. I mean, considering the rumors are out there that uh, Jane Swartz is going to Seattle, from mm-hmm. what I understand. Yeah. Um. Great call there. Great call. I. I. You know, and I totally agree with you. That that would be actually a really good pickup. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't even mind if they had to go high dollars. 
you know what, Russ, you could probably even go three years at say five and a half to six million if you really wanted to get them in. Yeah. Because again, the kids are on their ELCs. Who cares? Exactly. I mean, we've we've I mean we've beat this to the ground. And the the Kings have like a window of three or four years where the salary cap really isn't an issue. I mean, there's thirteen million dollars in space right now to spend. Why not spend it? And there's gonna be more coming off. I mean, we have Jeff Carter's deal coming off the books. You have Olimata who's coming off the books next year. Right. Quick is coming off the books soon. And Dustin Brown is a free agent next year. I mean, there's money to be spent here. So I know Kings fans all around want to see Rob Blake pick up that phone and make some calls and throw some money out there. So tomorrow should be a fun day. <laughs> yeah, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. And uh and you know, just to expand on that point, I really truly think Anze Kopitar deserves to have a sniper on his wing. Mm-hmm. I, I really think that. And if it ends up in the form of a right winger, Brownie can slide over to the left side. He's done it before, right? Yeah. But I, I think that Anze Kopitar has certainly earned that to have that guy who's a, you know, shoot first. He's going to score for him. You know, it takes a little bit of pressure off of Kopi too to score those goals all the time, which is nice, you know, obviously. Um, I think you're you're absolutely. Everybody is just waiting with bated breath, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just everybody's like at a well at a free agent frenzy, right? My thumbs are going to be sore by how much I, I know. Twitter. <laughs> I am not going to get anything done at work tomorrow. I can tell you that I might get fired. It should be fun. <laughs> but you know, you know, if we're going to talk about little side deals and all that, you know, it would be awesome. Hmm. Bring it in, Phil the Thrill Kessel. <laughs> I'm telling funny. you. I'm it's funny that you, you mentioned him because I was actually I, – I, I, uh, Craig Morgan mentioned it earlier today that they were actively shopping him. And I, the first thing I did was look up his contract, see what was up, and it's $6 million for one more year. He doesn't really fit the mold of what the Kings are looking for. But, I mean, if you're willing to bring in some scoring for one year, yeah, that's What's a player that hurt? can put the puck in the net. So, we'll see. I mean – I mean, I think Arizona's got just about everybody else's second-round draft pick around the league, so we probably have to offer something else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jeez, exactly. Five second-round draft picks. Your second-round draft picks are now our second-round draft picks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it is going to be very interesting to see it. I, you know, it's funny. You know, everybody keeps saying flat cap, flat cap. I just don't see it affecting anything. Nope, not at all. Not and not I think that, you know, people are taking lessons from, like, the Tampa Bay Lightning and, and other teams to just how to get around it. And I'm not calling it circumvention. I am not calling it circumvention. But what I am saying is that there are loopholes to be taken care of or taken advantage of, and they are in the CBA, so it is perfectly legal. But there are certainly ways around, obviously, no move clauses, uh, tailor caps, things like that. So, like I said, I just in summary, I think that the Kings have a real legit shot at going for the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. And I really think that, that they should do everything they can to try to make that happen. Because here's the thing, if you've got a shot to go for it, you got to start making a winning culture. And you start making a winning culture by winning games and by getting into the playoffs. And so what if they don't win the cup next year? So what? At least you get into the playoffs and you start getting those younger kids that playoff experience, which I'll tell you, my friend, is invaluable. Yeah, progress. That's all That's all Kings fans want to see, just some progress. And they made a little bit of it last year. Um, I mean, Brent, Brian, Brent Clark, that's just the missing piece that they were looking for. But, yeah, progress. That's all anyone yeah. wants to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess it'll be interesting to see how many of these, uh, if any of these right-hand prospects that they have, the defensemen actually have to go to the left side. Yeah. yeah. That'll be something to keep an eye on down the road mm-hmm. because it's it's getting a little crowded over there. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. 
Well, my friend, I think that's it. I think we got to check in on our friend Ryan here, make sure everything's going yeah. okay with the baby. And um, we got to get some sleep because tomorrow is going to be a crazy day. Well, yeah. by the time anybody listens, this will be uh, probably already happened. We'll see just how, well, how wrong we were, but <laughs> it's all good. Exactly. <laughs> but that was a lot of fun. And we want to thank once again, Tony Ferrari for coming on. That was, that was a lot of fun too. And hopefully we'll be back at some point, maybe next year to talk about some more prospects. Oh yeah. You know? So anyways, for the missing Ryan Sykes, for Russell Morgan, I'm Scott Kinville. Thanks for listening. We enjoyed having you on board. And go Kings go. Go Kings. Go Kings.